Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I invite you to be seated. My sermon today is entitled, Connecting the Dots. This actually arises out of our Bible study on Wednesday, and I have to give Stephen Hart thanks for this, because he, he prompted some of the thoughts in this sermon. Be strong, do not fear, here is your God. Let's just picture the scene. John. Locked up in prison, unable to see and hear what's been happening on the outside. Mixed messages, word of mouth, snatches of information, tales of raucous parties, religious leaders snubbed, scoundrels embraced. What happened to the rough places being made plain and the call to repentance? Did he have it all wrong? The dove descending. Did he just dream that up? The leaping of his heart. Had he been deceived? So many thoughts whirling around John's head. Doubt eating away at his peace of mind. Behold the Lamb of God. He had said those words. He had pointed Jesus out as the one. Had he gotten it terribly wrong? He wouldn't have been the first prophet to be misled. So what did John do? filled with all these doubts, all this wondering what's going on, not sure what's happening outside. John did what any of us should do when we begin to wonder if something we believed to be true might be an illusion. He did the right thing. He asked. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he was really the one they had been waiting for. And Jesus responded by referring to Isaiah. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. There's your answer, Jesus says. It's right there in the words of the prophet. You tell me if I'm who you think I am. That was all the answer John needed. Jesus was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. There could be no more doubt in John's mind. 
When I watched the video of the testimonies of the ladies from Naomi and Ruth last week, I was blown away by their descriptions of how God had been at work in their lives. One thing in particular caught my attention. One person said that since Jesus had entered her life, she couldn't stop reading the Bible. She just couldn't put it down, even though she didn't understand what she was reading. She was drawn to it. It nourished her. It gave her life. The Word of God is living and active. God is present whenever we enter into its pages. God's word speaks to us even when our intellect isn't engaged. The word enters into us, and even when we can't always explain it, it speaks to our spirits. We are blessed. I really believe this. John knew the scriptures. He's the son of a priest, after all, right? And he knew the prophets. One of the things I most admire about traditional Judaism is its emphasis on the reading and absorbing of the scriptures. The more we expose ourselves to the word of God, the more it becomes part of us. It anchors us. When Mary visited Elizabeth, I'm sure her mind was swirling with all that had just happened. The visitation from the angel, the awareness that her body was changing, the knowledge that her life would be changed forever, and probably the fear that her betrothal to Joseph was now in jeopardy. How blessed she would have been by Elizabeth's greeting. Mary walked in the door and Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. What an affirmation. It really was true. The angel's visit really did happen. It wasn't a dream. The changes in her body were not her imagination. And most important of all, there was someone else in the world who got it. There was someone who knew what was really going on. What a relief. Someone had Mary's back. I like to imagine how wonderful those few months spent in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth would have been for all three of them. The awareness that they were part of something far bigger than they could ever have imagined. It would have been a holy place, a period of expectation infused with a powerful awareness of God's presence. A time of preparation, 
culminating in the birth of John. And, of course, Zechariah's voice coming back and his declaration of the Benedictus. Wow. And then Mary had to return to Nazareth and face Joseph. When Mary responded to Elizabeth's greeting with the words of the Magnificat, which we read earlier in our service, she was echoing the words of Hannah in 1 Samuel. Filled with the Holy Spirit, she recalled the words of the Psalms. The word of God came out of her mouth spontaneously because she had been absorbing it all her life. I believe that. I believe that she must have been so steeped in the oral tradition of her people that the language of the scriptures was part of her vocabulary. It certainly was true of Jesus. Quoting scripture was part of his speech patterns for sure. When we met for Bible study last Wednesday, I was struck even more than usual by the overarching narrative of the scriptures. We began with Isaiah and the words, Be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. In the Magnificat, Mary echoed the same language. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And in the gospel, Jesus, in answer to John's question, replied with the words of Isaiah's prophecy in such a way that John could have no doubts about his, his authenticity. He knew that when his spirit had leapt in his mother's womb all those years ago, it had been the real thing. Three important things we learn from John the Baptist. One, no two people walk the same path. Two, when in doubt, ask. And three, know the scriptures. John's ministry was to call people to repentance, rich and poor, old and young. His job was to prepare people to recognize Jesus when he arrived, to have ears to hear and eyes to see. This could only happen if they acknowledged their need and opened their hearts to change. Jesus' ministry was one of healing and reconciliation. Those who had been listening to John were able to receive what Jesus had to offer. People like Nicodemus and Andrew. Those who doubted John also doubted Jesus. Their minds and their hearts were closed. They trusted in their own tried and true interpretations of scripture and history. They had closed the book. John may have been thrown off by Jesus' radically different approach, partying with sinners and so on, 
but he knew enough to go to the source and ask. He didn't trust word of mouth or gossip. And most important of all, he knew the scriptures well enough to connect the dots. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for John the Baptist, for his ministry, for his faith, and for his example to all of us. And help us to remember that whenever we have doubts, whenever we're, we're tempted to wonder if what we believe is true, to follow his example and ask and seek and not trust to hearsay or gossip or anything else, but go to the source. We thank you for your word, the scriptures, which are our source, and that we have them at our fingertips always. In Jesus' name, amen.